Okay, so I titled tonight's lesson, The Difference is Hades and Hell. So in the Bible, you get the term Hades a lot of times, but you also get the term hell many times as well. And there's a common uh, line of thinking that these two things are the same. Hades and hell are the exact same place. It's just a different name for it. But that's not entirely true. And we're going to see that today in Revelation, that there's, in a sense, it's two different kind of things. Um, and so we're going to talk about what is Hades, what is hell, what's the differences, what does it mean for us today, and what does it mean in the end times here in Revelation leading up to Judgment Day. So the passage today is going to be in Revelation chapter 6. We're talking about seal number 4. So again, we have the scroll of the Lamb is opening. Each, each seal that's broken reveals a different part leading up to Judgment Day. Seal number one was the Antichrist coming to earth, promising peace and unity and restoration. And then you have seal two and three, but all of a sudden, famine comes um, in, in, in seal number three. In seal number two, you might remember what happened in seal two. In seal number two, you might remember what happened. Warfare broke out, massive warfare. So the Antichrist comes, promises peace and unity. Boom, warfare happens, the total opposite. Peace gets taken away. Then amidst all that warfare, then you have famine that affects many people. And if you try to get food, it's very expensive. Inflation's out the roof, things like that that are happening during this time. So that's where our seal four takes place. The world's basically already in chaos, and it's a pretty rough place if you're still alive at this time, which there'll be tons of people still alive. Okay, so seal four happens. Let me read it off to you guys in Revelation, and then we'll break it down. This is the last horse, by the way. So if you guys remember in seal one, two, and three, the, there's a horse that comes in, and there's a rider of each horse. This is the last horse, basically, uh, which is another interesting concept, at least in the seals. Okay. Revelation six, and it says in verse seven, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse, P-A-L-E, pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed him. I want you guys to, to keep that in mind because of the lesson. The name of the rider of the horse was death. And Hades followed death. Okay. Uh, then it goes... And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Alright, so what would you guys to, to grasp there? And we'll break it down here. Death is the rider. Hades follows him. We don't know, because it doesn't tell us in the word, if Hades is also riding a horse, or if he's riding on the same horse as death, but somehow he's following death. Okay? And they're given power over a fourth of the earth to kill a fourth of the earth. And they can kill them basically by warfare, by famine, which is already going on, and they can kill them by the beast of the earth. The beast of the earth could simply mean the animals that are there, uh, which would be pretty crazy to think about. All of a sudden, the animals are turning on humans and attacking humans. Again, this is going to be a pretty terrible scene here. But I want you guys to think about that a fourth of the earth. So say, say in this time period, you have four million people that are living. And there's probably 
mind is way more than that. Let's say there's 4 million people. All of a sudden, that's a million people dead just like that. You know, think about, like, in our population today, we have billions of people here on Earth. If something like that were to happen and a fourth of the people of the entire Earth, not just the United States, the entire Earth were wiped away, it would be the biggest tragedy in all history. Billions of people would die. So I want you guys to think about that. We're over, over a billion people. Probably almost two billion people would die based on our population today. Um, so a few things here that's important. The pale horse, some translations also say it's like a greenish color. But think about a pale kind of greenish color. Basically, the horse resembles a corpse. Somebody that's dead. So this whole scene here resembles death is coming. And this is kind of the first horse, although the other three also kind of led into it, that really foreshadowed Judgment Day. That now there's punishment for those that don't follow God. Because see, in the first horse, you have the Antichrist, but again, the people probably kind of wanted this. You know, the people have been asking for a leader kind of like this, they just realize they didn't really want that because it's going to be worse for them in the end. And so you don't really have necessarily a punishment there. Then you get the second and the third place, which is warfare and famine, which I'm sure is going to kill and affect a lot of people, especially when you get to the fourth force. But it's kind of just an overall population. This one's the first kind of seal that attacks a certain group of people. A fourth of the people is going to go after and it's going to kill them and basically... Hades follows. And we're going to talk about that, but that's kind of the punishment part here. So you see the first kind of acts of punishment for those that don't follow God is all leading up to the final judgment, which is the ultimate punishment for those that don't accept Christ. So I want you guys to think about a few things here. Um, death and Hades in Revelation chapter 20, so toward the very end of Revelation, Death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, I want you guys to think about that. At the very end of Revelation, death and Hades are eventually thrown in to the lake of fire. That means that currently they're not in the lake of fire. Does that make sense? You can't be thrown into something if you're not currently in that. I mean, if you're currently in that. If they're already in the lake of fire, they couldn't be thrown into the lake of fire. So that means there's two separate things. The lake of fire is hell, okay? The lake of fire is hell. I want you guys to think about that. Now, I need a better marker. Well, we'll have to go with that. I'll, I'll think about it. So, lake of fire is hell. Hades is a place that immediately follows death, as it shows here in Revelation. So, for those that are here on earth now, and if those that are in the tribulation period here in Revelation, when they die because of warfare and famine, Hades immediately follows them. Hades is not exactly hell, but it's very similar to hell. It's kind of a waiting place until the ultimate judgment day that eventually happens in Revelation. When the ultimate judgment day happens in Revelation, that's when death and Hades are both cast into what they call the lake of fire, as well as all of those that don't believe and that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So, when it says Hades here in Revelation, it's not exactly talking about hell. It's more of an intermediate place between life here on earth and your final destination. 
Now that's where things get very complex and confusing. What does that mean? So it says here, uh, I, found, I found this to do some research. Hades is the state in which all the dead exist. In the New Testament, um, Hades may simply refer to someone's death and disembodied existence. In this sense, even Jesus enters Hades. And if you remember that, he does enter a afterlife state after he dies, and he defeats that, and then comes up into heaven. Um, following David's prophecy in Psalm 16:10, Peter interprets the resurrection as God delivering Jesus from Hades, not hell. Uh, that's in Acts 2:27 and Acts 2:31. Similarly, Jesus prophesies that the Son of Man will be delivered from the heart of the earth, not necessarily hell, again, the heart of the earth, just as God delivered Jonah from Hades, again, in Matthew 12:40. In both instances, Hades refers to a disembodied existence, not a, a final destination. Why is, that, why is that important to think about? What do you have to say? Why is that important? Because think about this. So when Jesus dies, he goes to Hades and defeats, defeats that, rises up into heaven, it refers in the Bible that Jonah's going to Hades. It refers in Revelation that those that die in the tribulation go to Hades. Wait, and eventually, and eventually yeah, Jonah in the, in the well, <laughs> out of the fish. Um, we don't know if it's a well or not. Um, then Hades, it also talks about in the tribulation period, those that die go to Hades. And then eventually, in the final judgment, in the great white, white throne room, they go to the final destination. So basically what, it, what the importance of that is what I'm trying to get you guys to think about is that means that there's an intermediate place somewhere out there. What that place looks like, we don't really know exactly. Um, and now there's things in the Bible that lead us to believe certain things about it and give us some hints. But we don't exactly know. What we do know is until the final judgment day, nobody's actually in their eternal destination. Because think about this. Think about Satan. Satan's allowed to roam the earth right now, right? And he comes back as the anti, he empowers the antichrist and things like that. You know, if Satan was bound to hell, he couldn't do that. So right now, you know, Satan has some free range, and he's given even more free range in Revelation until eventually when the final judgment day happens, he's cast into the lake of fire, which is the eternal resting place, which is hell for those that are unsaved, and that's his permanent place. He can't leave that place at that point. But think about this. In the final judgment day, everybody goes before God and gives an account for their life. So if everybody was cast into hell that didn't believe in God right now, then they couldn't come out into heaven eventually and give a, a final judgment. So everybody's kind of in this waiting period, um, and then you'll see that in seal number five as well for the souls of those that are martyred that are waiting to eventually give their account to God and be in heaven with him for all eternity. So I want you guys to think about something else here. Hades is a place where the wicked uh, dead reside, and they are punished in Hades, though. In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man experiences torment in Hades. This is the intermediate state for the bodily resurrection and the final judgment that is still in the future. Jesus points out that Hades foreshadows the rich man's final judgment, which would be far worse 
than the punishment and torment he's experiencing now. Similarity, Lazarus rests at Abraham's side, but connoting the joyous abode of the righteous dead, which is Luke 16, 23. So I want you guys to think about this. So all those doubting Christians, they're not, they're not going through a tormented part in Hades. There's a difference. Because think about this. What did Jesus say to the man uh, on the cross uh, that says, hey, I'm going to follow you? He says, today you'll be with me in what? Now, again, there's a difference here. Paradise and heaven is a little bit different. The paradise part is, is, is basically where Jesus is referring to this intermediate kind of state before final judgment day. So those that are saved, those that put their faith in God here on earth or Jesus, when they die, they go into this eternal state of uh, similar to heaven where you get those kind of joys and those peaceful things that heaven offers, but it's just not the entirety of heaven until judgment day happens and you're actually welcomed into God's kingdom. Um, and which it says in Judgment Day, Jesus says to those, or God says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom. Well, if you're already in the kingdom, why would he say that? Um, so he's not gonna, you're not going to actually officially enter the kingdom until Judgment Day. Nobody has their eternal destination set until Judgment Day. Now, you may already have it set before you get here on earth, if you follow Jesus or not, but you're not officially cast there until Judgment Day which happens all later in Revelation. Uh, it says here the, the different differentiation between the wicked and the righteous dead continues throughout the New Testament. The righteous dead are at home with the Lord, which it says in 2 Corinthians 5 eight, or in paradise, which is mentioned uh, several times, or at least in Luke 23.43, or, or the righteous that follow God when they die, they're considered in the presence of God in Revelation 6, 9, 7, 9, and 14, 3. So all about Revelation also mentions that. The unrighteous are held in punishment, and wicked angels are imprisoned in this hardest area, a Greek term designating the lowest part of Hades. Uh, Jesus' woe, the unrepentant one, will be brought down to Hades is not simply a prophecy of his earthly demands, but his final judgment. Uh, judgment. Now listen to this. Now here's where it gets a little confusing. I want you guys to really focus in here. Because Jesus has defeated Hades from the work on the cross, in summary, the New Testament affirms that Christ has conquered Hades. While dead believers exist in this state, they are also with the Lord. Again, a similarity to what you're going to experience in heaven. Hades also denotes the vanquished stronghold of Satan's forces, whose end is certain, the intermediate place of punishment, for the wicked dead until final judgment. So, what's important to note here is, yes, until final judgment day, you're not set to your final destinations, but how, but who you gave your life to here on, on earth, and who you live for here on earth, depends on where you're kind of set in Hades here. Because Hades can be a holding place for the torment and the wicked, but also, you have this other part of Hades, this is paradise, is basically a version of heaven, but just not the entirety of heaven yet. Because, in it, well, because until Judgment Day, you don't get into the entirety of heaven. Um, so, I put here, uh, Sheol and Hades, we hear that a lot, Sheol as well in the Bible. Sheol and Hades are not what we normally think of as quote-unquote hell. They were, before the finished work of Jesus, the place where the dead awaited judgment or final justification. This is also found in Luke 16, 19-31. According to what Jesus said in Luke 16, there was one area of Hades that was a place of torment, 
In another area, like I talked about in Hades, it was a place of blessing, comfort, and refreshment. So, interesting there again. So, even like heaven and hell, they're separated, where the righteous are glorified, the unrighteous are punished. Same thing's true in Hades. So, if you're a believer, you don't have to fear the old I die, I'm going to be punished for forever long until the final judgment day. That's not true. It's just the entirety of hell is not opened up yet, and the entirety of heaven is not opened up yet. It's kind of like a, a foreshadowing of what's to come. That makes sense? Um, all right, so I want you guys to think about this here. The lake of fire. The lake of fire is the final destination for the unsaved. That is the hell, okay? And that's a place where you see, like, you hear in the Bible about all these terrible things that are going to happen there. Um, in Revelation, when we get to the very end of it, it shows the lake of fire being basically unveiled and the first people that are thrown into it. Who do you think the first people that are thrown into the lake of fire are? Yeah. Pick Say, okay, that's a good one. Uh, what else, who, who, what, who else do you think? Demons, okay. Who else? Who else during the tribulation period is going to cause the most harm on earth? The Antichrist. Um, so, in, in the very end of Revelation, the Antichrist, which is the, called the Beast, Satan himself, um, and the and then the demons are the first ones thrown into this lake of fire. Um, so it says here in Revelation 19. Let me read it off to you guys. Now I know I know we're jumping ahead, but this is important. To understand this. So Revelation 19, verses 19 through 20, it says, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on a horse and against his army. So we're talking about Jesus Christ here. And then in verse 20 it says, Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, which is the Antichrist, um, and then it says, uh, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Now catch this part here. These two, talking about Satan and the Antichrist, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest of the people that were there, the rest of those that followed them, were killed with sword, which proceeded from the mouth of Jesus, who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Whoa. Terrible scene there. Um, so, basically, yeah, Satan, the Antichrist, thrown into the lake of fire. And then, when the final judgment day happens, all the demons and then all those that died in the tribulation period are also then thrown into the lake of fire as well. Um, pretty pretty uh, scary to think about. But it's also something that should motivate you to make sure you're living the right way today and you have a right relationship with the Lord because we know eventually this day is coming. This is also, here's what I also want you guys to think about here. In seal number five, you're going to get people that have died living for God. Those that are martyred. You know, you ever heard the term martyr? That basically means somebody that was, that died doing God's work. Maybe they were preaching the gospel in a remote area and somebody killed them for that. Or they stood up for their faith and they died because of it in some way or another. These are like martyred Christians. And in number five, you're going to see that their souls are under the throne of God. The altar of God is a very odd thing, but 
kind of cool too. So their souls are underneath there. They're begging God, like, God, when can we like just stay with you forever? When, when is our time coming? And God basically tells them, wait a little bit longer. Everybody else has to die off first. But when judgment day comes, it's all going to be worth it in the end. So he basically tells these people, hey, look, you might die if you're here on earth and you went through a lot of crazy things because the earth is not following me. But I promise you, one day it's all going to be worth it because for the rest of eternity, you're going to be with me in heaven and have all the things that heaven offers while they're going to be cast into the lake of fire and be forever separated from me in torment. And so it's an encouragement for us believers today that no matter how rough life gets here on earth, no matter what we have to go through here, it's only so much time until you know God does get his revenge. And those that are living with lives they shouldn't live, those that are trying to kill Christians and doing things that against the Bible that don't ever give their lives to Christ and they're already unsaved, their day of judgment is coming. And so is your day of judgment. So if your day of judgment, if you're living the right way, you're doing things for God, and you feel like it's just never paying off, eventually it will pay off. Because eventually you're going to sit in front of God's throne. You're going to answer for your life. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You'll get rewards in heaven that far outweigh anything on earth that lasts for all eternity. It'll be way, way better than anything here on earth. And God will reward you. And you'll be blessed beyond measure for all eternity in heaven. And so this is a, it's a scary thing for those who don't have a relationship with God to hear this in Revelation. That this Hades place is this waiting period of torment before the eventual final torment in the lake of fire. And how, you know, eventually Jesus is going to win. And so there's no hope for those that are unsaved. That's a pretty scary thing to think about. But it also should encourage you to give your life to Christ and begin that relationship with him, knowing that through that, you don't have to go through all of that. You don't have to go through that waiting period of torment and that eternal destination in hell because Jesus has defeated that. He's given you a hope. If you give your life to him, you don't have to deal, all, deal with all of that. And eventually you'll be in heaven for all eternity, which is joy, peace, patience, comfort, kindness, all these things that will be there, and you'll be rewarded by God for your efforts here on earth. So, I want you guys just to kind of conclude with this here. And it's in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And this is considered the judgment before the great white throne. Okay? Listen to this here. This is actually right from the Bible. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. Think about that scene there. From his presence of God, earth and sky just fled away. Because of the power and majesty that God possesses and the judgment he's about to uh, pronounce. And I saw the dead. Now, now listen to this. I want you guys to really listen to this, okay? And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death in Hades, now listen, Revelation 20, death in Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Now, now catch this again. In Revelation 20, in the final judgment, all those who had died on earth are brought up before God. All those who were in Hades are brought up before God. That makes sense. So, so you have all these millions of people in Hades here, millions of people. They're all brought up before God 
and all those that just died in the tribulation and all that are brought up before God. So everybody now is standing before God. All these books are open, and the book of life is open. And it says here, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. So this is the eternal punishment here, the one that they will, will, will forever stay in. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire as well. So this is where the final judgment happens. And then again, if your name is written in the book of life, you're, you're welcome into God's kingdom for all eternity. So I want you guys to just think about that today. Where is your life at today? If judgment day were to happen today, and you were to stand in front of God's throne, would you be in the book of life? You know, how would, how would your life pan out? How would God, what would God say about your life? Because maybe right now you're living the way you're getting away with it, and you're doing things that aren't right, and there's not a whole lot of consequences for you. And you feel like, I'm, I'm doing pretty well getting away with this stuff. But just like, again, still five that we'll see later, eventually judgment's coming to those people. And judgment's coming to all of us. Judgment's coming to me. So how you live your life today does matter. Even if you're a Christian, and you know that one day you're going to be in heaven. How you live your life today still matters for what kind of reward you're going to get in heaven. What is God going to say about you during the judgment day? How is that going to go? You know, what kind of account you have to give for your life? So the way you live your life today matters. So are you living it for God? Because when you get to judgment day, it's too late then. Whatever you have done, it says that what they have done. So past tense. What you've done in the past at that point is on in the matter. Let me pray for us here. We'll take some questions. Lord, thank you for showing us, God, that you are the great judge. We are to be judged in our actions. We also have a hope, God, knowing that if we put our faith and trust in you and your son Jesus, that no matter how bad this uh, world gets, no matter what persecution we go through here, we know that one day judgment day is coming, God, and that if we live for you and give our life to uh, your son Jesus, we're going to be uh, forever cast into heaven, God, to be with you for eternity. A place of no more weeping, no more pain, no more sorrow, and joy forever. Let us, let us honor and glorify you, God, and lead others to do the same. And then we pray. Amen. Let me pause this real quick, and then we're going to...